You are listening to Wait a Minute with Beth and Jessica, episode 29. I'm Jessica Pearson, certified body image and weight loss coach. And I'm Beth Barnett-Babel, integrative nutrition therapist. Today, we are talking all about discomfort. And I thought it was funny because we both thought about this topic kind of simultaneously. Mm-hmm. I was listening to a Marco Polo that Beth sent me, and it was on this topic. And I actually watched it right after a yoga class where it was one of those classes where you're uncomfortable (laughs) the whole time where it's like you either don't vibe with the teacher or the music or people around you. There's just something about it where you're like, all you can think is like, I just want to get up and leave. And some people do. One person did. And I was like, it's not just me, (laughs) but it, but I hung in there because when this happens to me, I remind myself that this is also the yoga. Mm. is embracing my discomfort and trying to allow this like shaky vibration of annoyance in my body mm-hmm. and to like, let it be okay. Yeah. And so when I had that, I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to maybe talk about this or talk to Beth about it. And then you had sent me this Marco Polo and I was like, it's meant to be. Yes, it is meant to be. Yeah. I think I've been thinking a lot about discomfort and being uncomfortable and what is really the purpose behind it? And how often do I allow myself to get sucked into feeding off of my misery rather than bracing the discomfort for what it's actually showing me instead of just being like cranky pants to be cranky pants? Yeah. Like, is it like indulgent everybody? Or- yeah. Like everybody here, how uncomfortable I am. <laughs> but it's it's not really, it's so easy to get into that, but it's also like, Oh no, like I'm some of these things I'm choosing on purpose. And so of course I'm uncomfortable because this is part of a process that I have to go through to get to X, Y, and Z. It's a good time. It's a good time. It is a good time. But that is a good question about like, how do I know when I'm being indulgent in my Mm. misery versus like processing misery. Maybe we can talk about that later, but first we wanted to talk about like, why is it that we all kind of, I mean, as humans feel entitled to be comfortable all the time. Right. And we say this over and over again, and I'm sure others do as well. And we have to remember that our brains are wired to seek pleasure and avoid pain. We want things to be easy as possible. Even though much of life is challenging, we are still wired to be efficient and to be make things easy and to not exert too much outward energy. Yeah. So in a short answer, it's almost as if we were just designed this way. <laughs> yeah. And that's what's interesting about being human. I really think I should have been an anthropologist because I find it also fascinating. We evolved and create, got more and more skills and things like that. And it was through discomfort 
of that particular way of being at that time that we found things to make our lives easier and easier. So if it wasn't for the discomfort, we wouldn't have made it this far. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have the we wouldn't have plumbing or the wheel or many of these things that we take for granted. Electricity probably, right? Or specialized tools because the other Neanderthals and hominids, however you say that, they had tools, but they were not specialized. They it was Homo sapiens that were able to create many different types of tools based on where they were living and things of that nature. Yeah. So in context to diet culture, you know, I think we see it as people wanting convenience 24-7. Yeah. But they also want all of the results. Yes. Those two things must come together. (laughs) They're like, I don't want to do anything. And I would also like to look like a model, please make it happen. But that's the fantasy that diet culture sells, right? Like they tell us, oh, we can just take this easy pill or do this simple diet and get really fast results. And so, of course, that sounds amazing because Mm -hmm. it appeases the parts of our brain that want the fast, easy pleasure. But then there still is pain. Like that's all a lie, right? Because these things are either restrictive or you do have to prep your food or they come with frozen food that you eventually get so sick of. Or that you didn't even lock in the beginning and you're just choking it down. Yeah. So there actually is always discomfort. Yes. Of course, they're not selling discomfort. They're selling fast and easy. And so then you either cheat on the diet or you quit. And then to add insult to injury, we would make that mean terrible things about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then even worse, then people are like, okay, well, what's the next quick fix? And so it's just like this classic diet trap. We can talk more about this like life thing, but it is also like a life trap because in theory, our brains are always seeking to avoid pain. So we think we have to fix discomfort and that we shouldn't feel it. And this is how we become like people pleasers and overeaters and like where most of our problems come from is because we're trying to escape discomfort that we're going to feel anyway. Yeah. I remember we've had some, well, we've had many clients over the years talk about, well, somebody brought it over to me you know, my neighbor made it. And so I felt like I had to eat it. And I'm like, well, did they ask you to eat it in front of them? Like just the transaction. I think we've talked about this is the transaction is, is that they made something, they gave it to you. You said, thank you. And then you get to close your door and decide what to do with it. Like <laughs> they don't need to know whether you ate it or not. And then I also like seeing people like, wow, there was all this food left over from the event. And so then I took it all home and ate it. And I'm like, why? Like, you don't have to be that way. And a lot of people have that like guilt, the waste guilt, but the discomfort of saying, no, I don't want to take that. But in general, if we think about, I also think about this whole idea of discomfort, as you were saying, like that 24 seven convenience and wanting the results. And there's this aspect that I can, I understand because our lives are so very full of work and households. And if you have a family and just, you know, other priorities or things that we have to do, right? So 
the basics like food and movement feel so much harder because since most of our jobs are now sedentary or what have you, like there, we do have to make an f- effort to move. And that yeah. is hard. And creating meals for ourselves are is more challenging than it used to be. Well, they are chores. They are chores, right? So we think to ourselves like, well, haven't we already solved this problem of having to feed ourselves or not needing to create movement? Like, haven't we evolved to be more sedentary? But the answer is really that we haven't. And it is really easy to forget that not that long ago, we didn't have these same types of having to do it all lifestyles. We had still had more multi-generational living. There was usually somebody home. I mean, oftentimes it was a woman. So yeah, we're at least we're out there in the world doing what we (laughs) want to do, but you know, we still are missing that component of you have the benefits of the multi-generational living or cultures and somebody being at home that prepared food or worked on house stuff or somebody going out to do X, Y, and Z that needed to happen. So this concept of having to do it all and just doing the basics for one person is so, so hard. So there's a lot of discomfort in that. Like I think about this concept of like, oh my gosh, now I have to like go feed my family after working all day and running errands and stuff like that, getting kids to ballet. And I'm like, oh my God, but you know, it's gotta yeah. be done. It's so interesting to think about this like feminist topic, right? Because <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, that used to be the stay at home mom or the wife or whatever that would just stay at home and do all these things. But I'm like, she also didn't enjoy this. Correct. <laughs> And now it's like, it doesn't matter who does these things. I think at hand, it's like there are more tasks that we have shoved into the need of our day than what is possible. Like two people is possible, let alone one. When I think of like a a single person or a single parent, I'm like, oh my God, like managing managing your home, whether you're renting or owning, just like keeping it clean alone is like next to impossible, right? So what it requires is really looking at your priorities. Like, does my house need to be completely spotless every day? Or like, what are my thresholds for laundry? Like, can I do it once a week or can it be three times a week or every other week? I don't know. Like you gotta just start thinking little as possible for me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think that's the thing is like we get stuck in the perfectionist zone with certain tasks or certain aspects of our lives. Yeah. And then oftentimes people hold themselves to that perfectionist level, like across the board. And so then they Mm -hmm. actually feel like, oh my gosh, well now I'm failing at my body because like, this Mm -hmm. is the one thing or the one place where I don't feel like I can achieve perfection, but it's like most people don't. Yeah. I think about like how, you you know, since we are not, there's so many of us that don't cook everything from scratch. Like that's such, so, so, so rare in our country and probably in other probably Westernized countries that we are not cooking a lot of things from scratch or from whole ingredients. And so then that is where some of those convenient foods has taken advantage of our pleasure centers and things of that nature and and low cost, our desire to be frugal. And that's kind of some of the way where we've gotten ourselves into a little bit of a health struggle. Yeah. 
is, is there because we're like, well, I don't want to do this. Thank goodness. There's this other thing, but then it's actually really a lot of the time there are some well-made pre made meals. They do exist, but they come at a huge cost. Yeah. Price-wise, absolutely. When I'm like, oh, should I buy this like cut up watermelon or the whole watermelon? And I'm like, you know what? I will pay the extra $3 for the sliced watermelon because I don't like cutting a watermelon. So I don't know. I mean, and this thing, it's like we get to spend our convenience dollars however we like, but Mm -hmm. like we don't get to do it everywhere and expect the same amount of results, right? So it's yeah. like, where are we finding convenience that serves us versus convenience that is not serving us? And is it convenience in lieu of feeling some level of discomfort? And yeah. like, if we know we have to feel... So this is actually where I find it kind of liberating is like, if I know that like discomfort is just part of my life, <laughs> like it's not going away in perpetuity at a hundred percent, like there's just always going to be something... I actually find that kind of liberating because then I'm like, oh, if I don't have to fix my discomfort, then I can actually just see kind of beyond the struggle. Right. And then it's not discomfort anymore. It is just what is life. Yes. Yeah. So that, yeah, it's like we have to move past thinking that it's all a chore. Yes. Yeah. I've actually had to work on that a lot with actual chores, like laundry. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I can just continue to sit in my misery about laundry and talk crap about it every time I do it. And literally like, I like make my body heavy when I pick up the the laundry basket and I slog my way to the laundry room. It's like, I'm basically throwing an internal temper tantrum every time I do it. And I was like, this is actually more torturous for yourself. It is. And I was like, okay, I got to shift this. I really got to find gratitude for the fact that I have a washer dryer in my home and that like, there's so many benefits. How much more could you complain about it if you had to go down the road to the laundromat? Like you would really take it to a whole new (laughs) level. And then I have a coach and she was like, well, what if you were somebody that had to take your clothes down to the stream and wash it in the stream. And I was like, I'm murdering you right now. Like, I don't want to like, <laughs> but yeah, she was so right. Like I was really being really just wallowing in my discomfort of this chore. And it was all just a thought process and of it all. And so you can think about it as like the day-to-day things. You can think about it as the way that we want to see ourselves to create change And so not all change has to be uncomfortable, but not all change is going to be easy. So at some point we're going to reach our personal level of discomfort in order to get what we desire to change. So if we know that that's going to be there, just expect that there's going to be discomfort and feel like it's okay. Let's enjoy that to some degree. (laughs) Be like, Oh, here's, here it is showing up. And I know that I'm going to move through, I can move through this. And then on the other side of that is what I'm seeking. Yes. So it's like pre-planning for 
discomfort? Is that possible? Can we do that? I've never thought about pre-planning for discomfort. I mean, you could always try to. I mean, it's like you can't always predict what the discomfort will be because you might think, oh, the discomfort is going to be me having to like make dinner three nights a week when you're not doing it. Or at meal all. planning. Right. Right. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that will totally be my discomfort. But then when you get three or four steps in, you're like, actually, it was something else about this process that I found uncomfortable, not what I thought would be uncomfortable. So even though we can plan to experience it. I don't know if we can always predict what it's going to be. Right. Yeah. No, I was saying like you can plan that there will be something that creates discomfort and it's totally okay. But there's those people that I don't understand how they work (laughs) where everything is sunshine and rainbows. And I'm like, oh, as a special person that feels that way. And they will find things to be like, well, that's just how it is. But yeah, there's always going to be something that challenges us, something that creates pain, something that, that that creates a struggle. Yeah. I can think of different types of people in my life, like some who are very full of gratitude and very optimistic and positive. A lot of the times, even when they do experience discomfort, sometimes they just don't talk about it because they don't want to put the energy towards it. Okay. But I like to think that maybe they are processing it. I think there are also people that just like avoid it. Like they're the ones that are escaping. Are there people that are avoiding it? Oh yeah. Fully just like, I mean, I don't, I mean, obviously I think these are just like all people. I'm not talking about anybody specifically, but you know, the person who just acts happy a hundred percent of the time, I'm always a little weirded out by (laughs) because I'm like, Oh, I don't know that that's real. Like, are you okay? (laughs) But I know that there are some people who are either, they're either kind of their brain is chemically wired to be just slightly more, you know, like they have fewer intrusive thoughts than I do or something and that they do still process emotion. And then I think there's a lot of people who do, I don't know, we all know the complainers and the people who kind of tend to, I don't know, complain. Well, Well, I don't know if it's like complain. It's just more just like, it seems like bad things are always happening to them or like they, like they're in constant discomfort. Like nothing is ever comfortable for them. Mm, Interesting. I don't know if you know any of those people. Honestly, I don't know that I personally know any. I feel like they live on the internet. I'm just saying it's a spectrum as far as like how we can manage our discomfort, but yes. What about like meditation and discomfort? Yeah. I think what's interesting and you and I have meditated together and we have talked to clients about meditation. And one of the most common things that people say is like, Oh, I don't know how you can do it. Like, I just can't stop my mind. Right. (laughs) Long enough to meditate. And we're like, well, that's because that's not really what meditation is. Right. Mm -hmm. There are times when your meditation where it can feel relaxing and it can feel really good, but Mm -hmm. many times it's unsettling. Like you feel physically antsy, right? Like I'm like, Mm -hmm. I have ants in my pants. This is really hard to sit here. Like I notice that my thoughts do keep wandering. Like you just want to get up. You want to go look at your phone. It feels very stressful, but it's like, just like the yoga class I mentioned, it's like, well, but that is the meditation. Mm -hmm. And I think you kind of explained it before we recorded, which is like, it's the unraveling of the stress. So therefore it bubbles up while you're trying to meditate and that's how you process and get it out of your body instead of like shoving it down to reach those very like blissful states of meditation is not 
always going to be there. It's there. It it is a process. So there is going to be discomfort in the things that will ultimately bring us peace. And meditation is one of them. Our chores is one of them. Our existence is one of them. I have to learn to embrace the discomfort and let it be there. Let it be a guide and a teacher and see what we can see out of it. That's so good. I think we should just end there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just such an unsexy topic, right? Like, oh, let's talk about just feeling crappy sometimes. Like, and we've joked about how hard is it to market this business because we're not selling something super sexy. No. And we're not really selling six-pack apps and we're not selling pure bliss. <laughs> no. Yeah. We're not promising you that you will look a particular way when it's all said and done. The vision of what you have of how you will look is not what we're trying to sell you. And it is really challenging to get people on board <laughs> with that. Uh, well, I think it was Elizabeth Gilbert that talked about the the shit sandwich because it's like oh yeah there's just sometimes where we we have to eat the stuff that's in the middle that doesn't taste good and that's just part of life and we can make the most of it whenever we can and not like oh you have to feel positive about things that suck in your life that's not what we're saying no that's not it it's just being noticing that the discomfort is there And you don't have to make it positive at all. Like just notice, oh, I am uncomfortable. Is my, are there reasons why I'm uncomfortable? And are those, some of those, my thoughts contributing to more discomfort? And can I just be okay with what's uncomfortable, which is very different than liking it. And can I shift my thoughts enough to not make this be a hundred percent miserable all the way around. We keep our eyes peeled for things in the media or in real life that come from diet culture or that perpetuate diet culture in some way. These are often the subtle ways it creeps in, which is why we are shining a light on it and sharing it with you. One thing is not one specific ad related, but I think what I'm noticing is people are using more anti-diet verbiage vocabulary in their diet ads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really interesting. But I guess for a specific example, I did send you that one. It was the the drink replacement, but it's like this actually mm-hmm. is not a meal replacement. But it does, as I noted to you, that it's not a meal replacement, but it tells you it's only 250 per meal. Right. So therefore it is a meal, but they're trying to make it so you don't see that somehow. Why is that? Well, I guess what is a meal replacement? My interpretation of what people think a meal replacement is, is that you are not eating solid food. You are eating some, you are drinking something that still gives you a sense of nutrition. And so in this case with this product, it is a high amount of plant-based protein with some vitamins and minerals, earth-shattering stuff. And it is clearly a drink. So it is clearly a meal replacement, but they're like, it's not. But it is because it's 40 grams of protein, vitamins, and minerals. 
And I think, oh, this one has actually a considerable amount. I have looked this product up before because I was trying to find something for somebody. And this one actually has a lot of good quality fats in it as well. And so it's very much... Which is a good point. We're not anti-meal replacement. Sometimes that can be of service to you. It's, it is lifesavers for some people. Yeah. So we're not like anti-meal replacement. I just was like, why are they saying it's not? Yeah. Yes. It's the messaging. Like, I feel like the messaging across the board on a lot of these ads are so weird now where they're just like, it's not what you think it is. (laughs) Right. But I'm like, wait, it is. It is. Am I crazy? And then you wonder why people are so confused. Well, yeah, this is okay. This is confusing. It says, this is not a real replacement. Blank product is food. It has all the nutrients you need in one meal with 40 grams of protein per, per meal. This helps you maintain energy and keeps you full, keeps you going for longer. And it has a balance of proteins, carbs, and all 27. There might be fat underneath that little symbol there that from the screenshot and all 27 essential vitamins and minerals, blah, blah, blah. So it is a meal, but then they're saying it's not a meal. And so therefore the marketing department is trying to, again, mess with our heads. Well, you know why? Because you can't sell discomfort. But really, like, this product doesn't seem that bad. Like, I would, and I have recommended it for people that struggle to get in all their nutrients. And so that's what I'm sort of mad because it's like, it is a meal replacement. Yeah. So marketing, once again, is trying to mess with people A lot of times in these situations, you hire a marketing company and they're like, oh, we know what sells. (laughs) And they create all of this weird stuff that really is like not something that you would create, which is why you hired them in the first place. But then there is still this like lost in translation about what needs to be said and what doesn't. Yeah. I don't know. It's just frustrating. I did actually post last night. I got an ad. It was for a thong, like underwear. (laughs) And it was like a real butt. And I was like, oh my God, it's like a real butt. Like a- <laughs> oh, like not perfect airbrush no. butt. Oh yeah. No, like probably just like your average American woman's butt oh, on right. the internet. And I was like, hallelujah. <laughs> we got a real butt. <laughs> so in some ways I can look at this. The reason why people are gravitating towards this language is because it is becoming more and more of what people want to hear which in a way means we're going in a, in a good direction, right? A direction where people are less focused on the diet part and more focused on feeling better in their bodies and seeing real images of real bodies and that kind of thing. So yeah, I don't know. I'll take it as a win. Did you get any messages? I haven't looked, but did you get any like DMs or comments back about the, the butt. real butt. I People's... got lots of like heart emojis and clapping hands. No, no naysayers. No naysayers. I think most of our oh, I'm surprised. we might not have enough ha- uh, followers to have enough haters that are like, yeah. this is disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Why would we want to celebrate that? Yeah, exactly. And I actually, you know what? <laughs> I didn't click on the original post to see if there were any of those comments in the original ad because I was just so excited to see the butt. I was like, I have to share the butt. It's a real butt. And yeah, most so far, as far as people that like us, you know, they're here for our message. So everybody's kind of on board, which is good news. Yeah. 
Well, I sure hope we gave you something new to think about today and helped you take one more step on your path to freeing yourself from diet culture. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram at path underscore nutrition. And if you're looking to work with us, please visit our website at pathnutrition.com to get started. Bye. Bye everyone.